Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Well, turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. If you get to Psalm, you know where Psalms are. Well, if you find Psalms, just go backwards from Psalms to Job and then to Nehemiah, all right? And we're going to be there today. I think soon we're going to go back and do that series again. Nehemiah is a favorite book. So that'll give you a heads up to find that. Father, we are so grateful today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord for your mercy, for your love, your blessings to us. Lord, I humbly come today opening this book of your words to these wonderful people that are called your people in this church that's your church and those that are here today online. And Father, I just pray that you would anoint my words today. Let them be your words. Lord, we need a a special infilling of your anointing and your spirit. Guard my lips today. Let me say everything you want me to say. Don't let me say something that you don't want me to say. So Lord, I just confess that without you, I can do nothing. I don't have anything to brag about in myself today, Lord. It is all you. Receive glory today, Lord, as we look into your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. A youngster about seven years old was going to go fishing with his dad one day, and he was so excited about that. And as a seven-year-old, he had lots of questions. Remember seven-year-olds? Some of you remember that? Or you have grandkids or nieces, nephew that are seven. So they're out on the boat, and, he, and, the, and the boy sits there, and you know, it's supposed to be quiet. You're fishing. And he says, hey, dad, what makes this boat float? His dad said, son, I don't rightly know. A few moments later, the youngster said, dad. How do fish breathe underwater? His dad said, son, I don't rightly know. After a few moments of silence, he said, look up in the sky. He said, dad, why is the sky so blue? And his father's wisdom said, son, I don't rightly know. After a few minutes, the young boy asked his dad, said, dad, does it bother you that I ask a lot of questions? His father thought for a moment and he said, well, no, son. It doesn't bother me one bit. In fact, I'm glad you ask questions. How else can you learn anything if you don't ask questions? (laughs) Asking questions. Have you ever asked a question because you knew it was the right thing to do, but the answer you got back just floored you? I mean, the circumstances just beyond you. And that's what happens to a young man by the name of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is not a priest. He's a servant for the king. He's he's like, he's just a normal person, all right? And he has a great job. He has favor. He's working with the king. He's the king's armor bearer. But one day... He sees that those who have uh, been to Jerusalem made a journey back into the city where he is, and they said, to Persia, and they said, and he asked him, hey, how's it going back there with God's work, rebuilding the church and the walls and all of that? How's it going? Is 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 the city, is the church advancing and growing and moving? You know, that anticipation. So verse one. The net words of Nehemiah, I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and survived the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, 
The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are in, say it with me, a great what? Great distress and a reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. He said, well, the people are not doing real well. They're in distress. The word distress there means trouble. They're in misery. They're in a calamity. They're in a time of disaster. And they are a reproach. They're, they're living in shame. The, the enemy is reviling. The enemy is taunting them. And the enemy is abusing them. Here's the bottom line. I don't want to go into a lot of the history here to give you that. But the bottom line is simply this. The people of God inside the city are in deep trouble. And that doesn't look like there's any hope for anything to get any better. They were in a mess. And it looked like impossible to get it out. Now, what do you do at a time like that? Well, we're going to see that today. I mean, is this a picture of where we are today in the world and in the United States or what? Trouble, misery, calamity, disaster, COVID, shame, reviling. Well, if you really were be able to pray, you wouldn't get sick. You wouldn't have this. You'd be healed by now. You, wouldn't, you would do these things. I don't know about you, but here's my phrase today. I'm getting tired of the feeling I've been feeling. Anybody else identify with that? I'm just tired of the feeling that I've been feeling. I mean, we all, we all know that, right? I mean, it's, a, it's such a time right now of, of uneasiness, and it's not normal. Uh, the sadness, the disappointment, the anger, and all of that, COVID, and every time you wake up, it's something else. Now it's COVID to the next power or whatever else. I, I don't know. And, and if you're not careful, you just get, you know, what else? What else? What else? What else? If that's not enough in the world, then we have inside the church. Great political division at this time. And if any place where it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be in the church. We've got to, people say, but we've got to do something, pastor. We're going to lose our freedom. We're going to lose America. We're going to go down. We've got to do something. We've got to get busy and do something. We can't be complacent. I know. The church will be destroyed if the church is complacent. But how do you define complacent? See, that's the key. How do you define complacent? The greatest threat to the church would be, be complacent, but how do you define that? Well, people say, well, you know, the natural thing is that if, if you don't want to be complacent, you've got you to get involved. So here's what we do. This is the natural thing. The natural impulse is to choose a side to pigeonhole others, and to begin name-calling. If you're a conservative, then the mess we're in is a result of the elitist, baby-killing left, and the media they control. They hijack the election. The socialist crowd makes everything about race to destroy anyone who doesn't want to comply. But if you don't like that side... You simply say, our mess is because of the ultra right-wing, narrow-minded, white supremacist nationalists who simply want to protect their wealth, guns, privilege, and power. Now, here's the thing. Whichever side that you choose because you think that's what you need to do to be committed, every side that you choose, you can find all the evidence that you want that your side is right. You'll find everything that it's their fault, their problem. 
I mean, you'll even find pastors who will encourage you with scriptures out of context, pulling them around, and you can quote those, and it'll make your side feel good. You'll find books about that to confirm your belief, to confirm that your fears are correct. We're going down the tubes. You'll find whatever you want to support your, t- your team. And if that's not enough, if you're not familiar with al- algorithms, social media knows how to manipulate algorithms. And what they do is that you don't see anything that challenges your position. For what you like, you're going to find a steady stream of what you like, and you'll never be challenged by opposing views because they want to keep you right where you are. Listen to me. There is so much deceit today. There is so much deceit going on today. We don't know which way to turn. You say, well, I'm going to turn to the Bible. Yeah, but a lot of you are so aggressive that that you believe what somebody else is telling you or what you're seeing. Listen, everybody has an agenda. I don't care if they're left or if they're right or if they're in the middle. They all have an agenda. So how do you know what's true? How do you know what's true? People say, oh, I know. I know because I got my sources right. I'm not like some of these other people. I check all my sources. I know that my side is right. Then bless your little heart. Let me tell you something today. You are deeper in deceit than you know. I love you. And you are in the clutches of deceit. Lies. I mean, and sometimes it's even, it's even like that in the church world. Let me stand up here or let me quote somebody that you don't like and watch the crazy emails and the social posts. Vicious. Heretic. What's a heretic? A heretic for most people is somebody that doesn't believe the way you believe. Listen to me. Let's be, let's be, let's be um, average, normal. The partisan divide is always going to be there. People say, well, let's get together. Let's have unity. What does that mean? We're going to have one political party? People say, heck no, that's never going to happen. So if the, if the divide is always going to be there, but we are of a different kingdom, the kingdom of God, how are we to respond in a world that wants us to take sides and name call and pigeonhole? Some would say, oh, oh, you got to help me today. I didn't want to teach this, but God said I got to because I got to help some of you. Because we're so full of bitterness and, and hatred and suspicion. As a follower of Jesus, what should we do? What's the answer? So, listen, listen. You may want to write this down. I wish I'd put this in my notes, but it just came this morning. Whatever you do, don't confuse humility and love with complacency. Whatever you do, don't confuse humility and love with being complacent. And don't confuse hostility and rage with commitment. Don't confuse hostility and rage with commitment. Let me say that again. Do not confuse humility and love, which God asks us to walk in, right, with complacency. That's not complacency. Those are hallmarks of this kingdom that is advancing and is going to take the world and usher in the coming of the Lord, bringing in a great revival before every, uh, of every tongue, every dialect. That's what we're looking for. 
Uh, yeah, right? And don't confuse hostility and rage with commitment. Look back. Look back. Jesus was pressured over and over to get involved in politics. And listen, if God calls you into politics, like some of the people in the house, we're going to back you. We're going to help you. We're going to pray for you as long as you stick with biblical standards, all right? There's nothing wrong. We need more people that will get involved in politics. But get in politics with a kingdom mind, with a kingdom mind and kingdom actions. It's more than just what you say. It's how you say it and the attitude that you say it in. Jesus was pressured to get involved. His disciples wanted him to get involved, overthrow the Roman Empire. They would ask him little questions to pull him in. And Jesus would quick, quickly say, give to Caesar what's his. And he would go on and he would say, but I've come to usher in a new kingdom. And he would talk about a new kingdom. And it frustrated his disciples. I heard a theologian the other day say, one of the reasons that Judas, he didn't really, he didn't really, um, he didn't really turn in Jesus for the sake of the money. He, he tried to draw Jesus into a place in the garden where the Roman soldiers would overtake him and he would have to rise up in that moment and show his power and put the soldiers down. But listen, here's what Jesus says. Consider others better than yourself. If you hit on one cheek, turn the other cheek. Someone wants you to carry a burden a mile, go two miles. Bless those who curse you. Love your enemies and pray for them. And he didn't say pray for them that they'll see everything your way. Listen, speak up. Speak up with your opinion, your ideologies. Take a stand, but make your case. But the moment you stop loving your enemies and curse them and get involved in a social media bash, his kingdom is not advancing through you. You're trying to advance a political position instead of advancing his kingdom. I'm not saying back down. I'm not saying don't protest. Do whatever you feel like that's right. But humility and the love of Jesus. I mean, look at the Pharisees. He said that you're doing the right things with the wrong attitude because your heart is not right. Listen, church, listen. We are devoted not to a cause, but we are committed to a Christ. We are not committed to a cause, but we are committed to a Christ. The early church changed the world, but not with anger and fear, but love and compassion. Let peace, not cultural chaos, rule your hearts. I think everybody should fast once a week, 24 hours from social media. Take that time to get focused in reading the Bible and praying. Some of you, the first thing you get up in the morning, you see what's new about the COVID. Is it mass, double mass, triple mass, a shield in front of us? Uh, do we have to wear a scuba diving thing? What do we have to do? And that's what you do. Others are saying, oh, what, what, did, the, what did the president veto now? What, what, what's he doing all that? And so that's how you start your day off. You start your day off thinking about the kingdom of this world instead of the kingdom of our God. Every morning we should get up and say, Ho, oh, this is a day that the Lord is still in charge. He lives and he reigns and I'm his child. I'm telling you, it'll change your thoughts. Look at Colossians 3, 15 through 17. It's on the screen. Read it with me. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, 
teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, whatever you post, whatever you argue about, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Amen. If you engage, whatever you engage in, remember Jesus said, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples in that you love. The bottom line is this. Be the change you want to see. But remember, Jesus is the change agent who lives in you. So let's learn. Look, look at the person sitting beside you, behind you, around you. That person is not an agent of Satan if they voted for a different person than you voted for. Let's learn. I got to move on. Let's learn. I've made some of you already mad. Get ready. I'm going to make you madder before day's out. But I'm going to get you madder because you, so you can explode so that you can find peace and so that we can start advancing the kingdom instead of playing patty cake and worrying about things that we shouldn't be worrying about. So let's learn from Nehemiah's response. He gets this bad news. So what does he do? He doesn't get angry. He doesn't retaliate. He doesn't go in hostility. He doesn't call his representative. He doesn't get a group of vigilantes to go after the guys who are not rebuilding right. He didn't call a press conference. He didn't make a speech about the walls. But look what he did. He was willing to be overwhelmed with what was going on so much that he fell back and he had to sit down because it was too big for him. And so he sits there and for four months, he prays, he fasts, he seeks God because he feels like somebody ought to do something about this. But what can I do? I don't have the resources. I don't have the money. I'm not a priest. I don't know what to do in all this. But God raises him up and he goes back supernaturally and he rebuilds the walls in 52 days. If that's not amazing, then I don't know what. So what are we saying? What do I learn from this? Number one, take it seriously. Take what's going on right now in America seriously. Take what's going on right now in the church seriously. Take this serious. Everything you see. Take this COVID serious. Take COVID to the second part serious. Take the swine flu serious, all right? It's serious. Be, be thoughtful of other people. Don't just, well, they shouldn't wear a mask. Well, they should wear a mask. Well, they shouldn't do this. Look, you be you and I'll be me. And I'll try to be as well, as good to you as I can, all right? Take it seriously. Look at verse 4. Look at what he says. So it was, when I heard these words, I sat down. Look, he didn't jump on social media and post. He said, I sat down. He said, when I heard the news that nothing was better, when I heard the news that it was misery, he said, it so overwhelmed me. I couldn't do anything. I didn't have a response. Sometimes people say things to me and it so overwhelms me and I don't know the response. You say, oh, but you're smart. You should. I, I don't know. I don't know. But he was so overwhelmed. I mean, what you see in the world right now, when you see the abortions, when you see the killing of babies, when you see the murder, when you see the hopelessness, when you see all of these, doesn't it just make your heart go, oh, or have we gotten so used to it? 
that it doesn't break our heart. Here's the prayer I pray every day. Lord, break my heart with what breaks your heart. Break my heart with what breaks your heart. He said, so I heard these words. I sat down. I wept. I mourned for many days, four months exactly. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. We have to take this seriously. Everything that's happening in our nation, we take it seriously. Ephesians 6 and 11, look at this. This is why we need to take it seriously. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Notice all these plurals. They're not singular, the plurals. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Listen, take this seriously. We're not wrestling Democrats against Republicans. We're not wrestling against patriots and non-patriots. We're not wrestling like that. We're wrestling against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness. You know that word principalities? It comes from two Greek words. Prince and palati. Palati means city. So principality just means a prince over a city. Remember when Jesus in Mark chapter 4 goes to the area of Gadara and he cast out the legion of demons from the man? Remember what they said to him? Please don't cast us out of this region. Why? Because they were the principalities. They were the princes over that area. They had worked hard to take a stronghold, and they didn't want to lose that. Every city has a principality. Every city has powers against it. And if we get so preoccupied fighting one another and fighting for this and not advancing from the kingdom, these principalities and powers just take over more and more and more. So take it seriously. Here's point number two. Don't take it, too, don't take it seriously. <laughs> Some of you need to breathe. You're so stressed out. Say, so, yeah, the, the princesses are working, the devils are working. Okay, the princes over a city are working. But guess what? The king of kings lives in my heart, and I know he's working, and I'm not going to get overly stressed in that, right? So don't take it too seriously. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So what do we do? Well, we pray. So here's what we do. We be anxious about no thing, and we pray about everything. Listen, I'm going to tell you something that the devil doesn't want you to know. He doesn't want you to know. He wants you to get sidetracked. He wants you to lose focus. In a few minutes, I'll tell you the word. The Lord woke me up at 2 a.m. this morning to give, and he finished it at 4.30. And, and I want to share that with you. But one of the things is right now, we are so distracted by things that we're not advancing the kingdom. Some of you who used to witness and win people, you're so preoccupied with sitting where you are in a comfort zone, and you've got, and so the devil is winning. He's winning because he has you distracted. So here's what we've got to do. We've got to know that you and I were meant for this day. 
As a follower of Jesus, we were meant to live in this moment of confusion, doubt, fear, anger, and hopelessness. It wasn't in the 80s. Some of us were in the 80s. It wasn't in the 50s. Well, some of us were in the 50s. Okay, it wasn't in 1850 that we were supposed to be. How's that? But it was for right now. Why? Because he's up to something. He's looking for a group of people that'll take their focus off of this world and not get adjusted to this world. And remember, he said, pray, my kingdom come, thy kingdom come, his kingdom come, come on this planet earth. And that's what we're supposed to be busy with. I hear people say this all the time. Oh, pastor, the devil's just so attacking now. He's so attacking in our city. He's so attacking the world and attacking me. Here's a question. If we give the devil credit for attacking more, do we give him glory when we feel it less? He's always been attacking. It just seems like now some of them are hitting a little harder. But God is moving us from surviving to thriving. There's going to be a word. I'm going to talk to you about this in February. It's going to be a, an emphasis that we're going to have this year. And we're going to look at 2021 a little different. We're going to look at it like this. Here it is. 2021. It's not a time of losing. We're going we're gonna to put the gloves on. We're going to get busy. We've sat back long enough in the corner and said, well, whenever things get better. I, no, we're going to get 2021. One, we're going to get busy, all right? Are you ready for that? Let's advance, advance in 2021. One of the major themes in the book of Nehemiah is prayer. It opens with prayer. It closes with prayer. There are 12 prayers recorded in Nehemiah. So here's point number three. Pray first. Pray first. Well, what should I do when I see, when I see this post or when I hear this bad report? Or what should I do? Look, here, here it is. Write this down. It's in your notes, I think. There are many things you can do after you pray. But there is nothing you can do until you pray. There are many things you can do after you pray, but there is nothing you can do until you pray. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to repent. We're going to repent. We're going to repent this morning. I'm going to lead you in a time of repentance. We're going to repent as individuals, and we're going to repent as a church. And if you're sitting here saying, well, I don't have anything to repent of, you better run to the altar. <laughs> you're in deep yogurt, deeper than what I even thought, all right? Verse 5. So when I heard the news, here's how he prayed. I pray, Lord God of heaven, oh, great and awesome God. Don't, don't run through those quick. Notice what he's doing. It's a prayer of conviction of who God is. The team led us that way this morning with that, that God is good, right, and, and, the, and the other songs. And by the way, Matt, man, what picking. Whoa, I love that guitar this morning, man. Wow. Oh, great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you, you who observe your commandments, and, and, and you observe your commandments. It's a prayer of conviction. He's saying, I recognize who you are, God. You're great, and you are in control. You are in control what he's saying. He's saying nothing sneaks up on me that doesn't cross your desk first and you're in control. Please. 
Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants. And I confess the sins of the children of Israel, look, which we have sinned, which we have sinned. The walls and the city was destroyed 150 to 180 years earlier. Nehemiah wasn't even alive. But he said, I've got to confess where we are. Where we are. And then he says, I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you. We've not kept your commandments. The word commandment there in Hebrew is the word principle, which means assignment, task, and appointments. What is it that God has given you an assignment for and you failed to do it? Well, today you need to repent of that and you need to get busy doing what he's assigned you to do and not waiting till everything gets better. We have acted very corruptly against you and not kept your commandments, nor your ordinances, which you commanded your servant Moses. This is a prayer of repentance. He's saying, God, we've blown it. God, I've blown it. I've sinned. Nehemiah knew that it was sin that led to the destruction of the walls. And it would do no good to weep over where they were if he wasn't willing to take the first step and get right with God and that the people would get right with God and that they would confess their sin. Listen, every renewal has a foundation of a prayer of repentance. Every renewal in history has had its foundation of a prayer of repentance. How many of you want to see revival sweep our nation? How many of you want to see revival sweep our our political people that are around, right? But I'll tell you where it starts. It doesn't start with them. Starts with us. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, the small amount, even in the midst of the church today, a small nucleus of people who are really serious about their life, if they would get serious, he said, I will heal their land and I will send renewal. But it starts with repentance. And I have to be willing to be part of that. I've got to ask, we all have to ask ourselves, have I been part of this mess? By my actions, have I been part of creating this mess? I'm going to read some questions. You've got to let the Holy Spirit read you. Have you, this last year, misplaced your hope? Has your hope been in a person, an agenda, a political party, a vaccine? Have you misplaced your hope? If you misplaced your hope, if you have participated in creating this mess that we have now, have you, with your online persona, helped widen the gap? Have you memed your way into widening the divide? Have you, with your prayerlessness, participated in allowing this. Scripture said, pray for those in authority. Give honor to those, the office of leaders. Have you participated in the mess that we're in because you refused to pray for someone? Not just the president, but pray for those that you don't like. 
Have you, with your lack of seriousness in following Jesus, allowed this this year? I'm going to tell you, I, I feel, I am not feeling any bit of down, discouragement, but I feel so much in my heart right now as we talk about advancing in 2021 that we are built for this moment. But we have to own where we are as individuals and as a church or we will concede to the dark powers that which is broken. Many people are angry. They don't take time to lament. I mean, they don't take stuff to the Lord. The, the, the political upsetness of you oozes out of you on your online platform or talking with people. Could I remind you? You're on the Lord's side. Remember in Joshua? The angel came and he says, Hey, are you for us or are you for them? <laughs> no. I'm for the Lord. I come in. Once you draw a line with anger and hostility. You've taken yourself out of advancing his kingdom. And it's all about advancing the kingdom of man. So we repent. Some of you are experts at everybody else's sin. You can look at Donald Trump and you're a, you are good at all of his sins. Some of you can look at little Nancy Pelosi, 80-something years old, still going. Give her credit for that. And you can't stand her. You, you just, you, you just have, have no tolerance whatso, whatsoever. You can pick out everything that's wrong about what she does. But maybe she doesn't really know any better. You see, some people are so deceived, that's where they are. Or you say, well, she does know better. I better be careful. I almost, I almost slipped up there and caused some of you to be upset. I could probably pick on two or three other people, right? But do you hear what I'm saying? How, how do I look at somebody that I disagree with, some of you viciously and angrily? And how do you pray for them? I want to tell you, a new liberty will come in your life the moment you begin praying for those that you don't like. You can burr up. You can get upset. You can say, I wish I hadn't come today. Terry doesn't know anything about what's going on. He's going to be part of the demise of this United States. Listen, if the United States does demise, guess what? His kingdom will not demise. Could I remind you the early church overtook their world in the middle of a Roman occupancy where their freedoms were taken taken away from them, where they were put in prison, but they stood strong for the kingdom of God, and it advanced. So the scripture said he draws near to the humble. So I'd like for us to take some time right now to pray individually and repent. If you want to kneel, if you want to bow your head, if you want to stand, however you want, I'll just say a few words and, and, and I'd just like for you to be honest with the Holy Spirit. Father, we come to you right now and we ask you to forgive us. Lord, forgive me. 
when I've misplaced my hope. Forgive me, Lord, for things out of anger. Forgive me for the times that maybe I've tried to create change on a human level when change only happens from the inside out. Lord, forgive me for the areas of prayerlessness in my life. Forgive me, Lord, for sometimes the lack of seriousness. I may go a few days without praying, a few days without getting in your word. Lord, I repent. I repent. I repent. Whatever it is the Lord is saying to you, you can repent very quietly in your mind. You can whisper it to him. I'd like for us to confess as a corporate body. Father, we as the Father's house, not the First Baptist, not the Church of Christ, but we at the Father's house, repent. We repent for edging closer and closer to the world. So much that holiness is no longer a word that we're proud of. Forgive us, Lord, for acting like the world. For dressing like the world. Forgive us for our tendency to forget your faithfulness. God, we repent as a church. Forgive us for trying to get by in our own talents. Forgive us for neglecting your word. Forgive us for not praying for our leaders and honoring the office they hold. Forgive us, Lord, for our lack of intimacy with you. We need you, Lord. We repent as individuals and as a church. We repent. Notice the next thing that he does. He doesn't stay there, but he begins to confess and trust. Remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you're unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast to the farthest parts of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to a place which I have chosen as my dwelling place. Notice what he's saying. He's saying, God, look at these promises that you've given us. The Bible says, somebody said there's 7,000 promises in the Bible. He's saying, I know who you are. You said, if we go away from you, we as a nation neglect you, then you'll let us go. You let us go in the midst. And Lord, we've, we've, we've done that. 
But look at verse 10. Now, these are your servants, your people, and you've redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Oh, Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants and the desire that fears your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. He also here has a prayer of commitment. He says, I'm willing to be part of the answer. God, use me. Trust me, God. I want to get involved. I want to see a change. Change. Be the change that you want to see changed in the world. I commit myself to being part of the solution, not part of the problem. So we need to find those words and we need to confess them and believe them. 2 a.m. this morning, the Lord woke me up. And he said to me very clearly, clearer than I've heard in a long time. He said, if my people spend half the time advancing my kingdom as they do arguing, defending, and a preoccupation with the things that are around them, my kingdom would be advancing. And then when I got up this morning at 4.30, he said, he continued that word. And he said, the enemy is happy. Because he's done what he wants. He's got my church distracted. They've lost focus. <clears throat> they don't believe I'm sovereign. I thought about that and I thought, well, of course we believe that you're sovereign. I said, no. Listen to people. You say to them, God is in control. They'll say, yes, yes, but... Right? And I heard that this morning, and then the Lord said, I'm above that. Actually, he said, I'm above the but. But I thought I shouldn't say that, but anyway, I did say it. <laughs> and there's, here's what he left me with. You become what you meditate on. Imagine if every social post that you made this year, you had also done a kingdom advancing post to remind people how great your God is. Would you stand with me? What's God saying to you? If we're going to make 2021 as we want it to be one, I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now. And I'd like you to just pray. You can pray quietly. You can pray after me. But I'd like you to pray with me just now. Lord, reset my eyes to see what you want to do in the church, in my life and in the nation. Lord, reset my ears to listen to Holy Spirit direction. Lord, reset my hands to the assignment that you've asked me to do. Lord, reset my feet to the place where the lost and the hopeless are. Reset my heart 
Let my heart break with what breaks your heart. Reset my mind to remember your promises. Reset my mouth to bless, not curse, and to pray in the Spirit. And reset my faith to expect miracles. Father, I pray over everyone that's here today. I'd like for our prayer team to come on down because I, I think there's going to be some people that needs prayer before we leave today. Our prayer team will come down. They'll be wearing masks to practice social distancing. And in a minute, I'll, let, I'll ask you to come and, and let them pray for you. But I want to pray for you first. Lord, I thank you for the United States of America. I thank you for how that our forefathers founded this specifically in those early words for the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I believe that we are the greatest sending unit in the world for missionaries. So I don't see a demise. I see, Lord, that you're bringing us to the end of everything we can trust except in you. And God, we repent as individuals and as a church. And we ask you to heal us. Heal us, Lord, that we stay home and we don't get involved. Forgive us, Lord, for never finding a place to serve and volunteering. Forgive us, Lord. And Lord, I pray as we leave today that we'll leave in your strength. As you're here today and every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and those of you that are watching online, if you're here today and you would say to me, Terry, I really need to get right with God. I'm not right with him. Maybe years ago you knew him. Maybe you never have. But you say, today I feel the Holy Spirit drawing me, and I need to get right with God. If that's you, would you raise your hand right where you are and make eye contact with me and let me pray with you this morning? I want to pray with you if you say, yeah, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Others today, thank you. Thank you in the back. Thank you. Others today, thank you. Those of you that are watching online, pray this prayer with me. Father God, I thank you today for dying for my sins. And I confess today that I need you. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I want to serve you all the days of my life. In your name, Jesus. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.